Hey, this is Evan Black, pastor of Faith for Life Church, and this is our podcast. Thanks for joining us today. If you don't yet know Jesus, I'm so glad that you're listening, and I pray that this message empowers you to give your life to Christ. If you're just starting out on your journey with Jesus, I hope this empowers you to connect with Him. If you're strong in your connection to Christ, I believe this message will empower you to follow Him. So enjoy today's message. Matthew chapter 25. Matthew chapter 25. It's where we're going to be reading from today. And uh, we're, we're going to be on this, I don't know how long, um, for a while anyway. We're, we're, we've been talking over several weeks now. We've been talking about this idea that God cares about every moment. And so we started this with, with reminding ourselves that God is with us in every moment. That every moment, God is with you. Every moment that you are going to face, God is with you. No matter if it's good or bad or amazing or horrible or anything in between, we have to remember and remind ourselves and know that God is with you. He will never leave you. He will never turn his back on you. No matter what you're going through, God is right there with you. You are never alone. Um, Last week, we started talking more about, okay, God is with us in every moment, but we need to be ready for every moment. And last week, we started on a very somber note, uh, talking a little bit about uh, what happened with Kobe Bryant and the helicopter crash. And so today we're going to start on the opposite end of the spectrum. We're going to start on, on a lighter note, on a funny note. And, um, and on this note, let me just say this. I'm going to show you a video. And on this video, you, you some of the, um, let's just say it, let's, some of the real spiritual folks, you might not like this. You may feel like we're making fun of this person. But let me tell you something. Um, this person uh, is, is all right and is going to be all right. And, and, and you'll see why. Let, let's go ahead and let, let's, start, let's start. Let's roll that video. Let's, let's start our service with this video. Number three, Otto Porter. Oh, Otto. Puts his brain in autopilot. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my goodness. All I know is not. Oh, we got to see that again, man. Oh, no. I know this is going to take a second to oh, do. Please, please re-rack Otto Porter. Please, please. Man. Because yeah. that, that may Morgan. be the best of all time. That and, might be the, yeah. And, and it's the way he breaks for him when he realizes. <laughs> oh, here I go. <laughs> Come on, Otto. Oh. Otto, man. Georgetown. Yeah, too, yeah. Coach Thompson, man. What are y'all teaching over there, man? Look, come on. He's talking, too. He's talking on D. He's talking. <laughs> He's gone. Oh, that's oh. Classic. oh, oh that's God. Classic. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I've seen that a hundred times, and it is still hilarious to me. If you're new here, you got to have a little bit of sports knowledge to, to understand everything that happens here. But basically, Otto Porter is supposed to be guarding that guy. The guy goes to the other end of the court. <laughs> he, he is not ready. I don't know what he's doing. I don't know what he's looking at. I don't know what he's thinking, but he just stays right there. He's not ready for his man to leave. And then all of a sudden, he realizes that his man is gone, and so he takes off in a full sprint trying to catch up because he wasn't ready. Today we're going to talk about being ready. Are y'all in Matthew chapter 25? I'm going to begin in verse 1. I literally have tears. That, that, is, that is the funniest thing to me. Um, <laughs> wow. Matthew chapter 25, here Jesus is speaking. 
In verse 1, he says, Then the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went to meet the, the bridegroom. So here, let me, let me start really quickly here. Uh, Jesus here is telling us a parable. He's telling us a story. When he says something will be like something else, he's not saying that this necessarily happened. He's trying to tell us a story to help us to understand a bigger point, a, 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 a usually a one important point that he wants us to understand. And instead of just directly telling us, he tells us a story because your mind is like my mind, which is like their minds. We understand and we remember stories better than we just remember straight information. And so he's telling a story about the kingdom of heaven and he's trying to help us to understand something about the kingdom of heaven and he says that this will be like 10 virgins now 10 is very significant 10 is significant to the Jewish people uh, for many reasons um, they had to have 10 people in order to have a meeting in the synagogue what we might call church today uh, they had to have 10 people uh, to confirm circumcision 10 people uh, to, and I say people actually Men is what they required uh, to keep the Passover, 10 people uh, to contract a marriage, 10 men to contract a marriage and witness that. Otherwise, it was uh, not valid. We read this also in the book of Ruth. When Boaz married Ruth, we're specifically told that there were 10 men who were witnesses uh, to that marriage. Also, we know in the, in the Bible, 10 is significant. We have the 10 commandments. There's many other things about that. But here, Jesus is specific when he says there were ten virgins. Now, these ten virgins would have been uh, women that were friends of the bride. And so the bride would have chosen these women, these ten women, um, to be with her during this time. We're going to talk about this a little bit. And they took their lamps. Now, when you study this out, this isn't like a lamp that you have beside your bed. This is, this is an oil lamp that would have been on a stick or on a pole. It would have looked much more like a torch uh, that, that would relate to us. And it says it went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. Now what's interesting about this, this word foolish is really, really strong. This word foolish doesn't just mean foolish, it means stupid or absurd. It actually uh, comes from the word that we use to, to call people morons. So five of them were stupid, absurd, morons, and, and this version just lightens it and calls them foolish. And five were wise. For when the foolish took their lamps they took no oil with them now here's what you got to know about this in the scriptures oil represents the anointing the anointing of the holy spirit specifically here so so they they took no oil they took no anointing with them now anointing if you're anything like me you didn't grow up in church or maybe you did grow up in church but you never really were taught about any of this stuff we start to hear words like anointing and it's like yeah we're not gonna act like we don't know what that means because we feel like everybody else around us around us knows what it means but I was a long time where I was like what in the world does anointing mean like before I got saved nobody I never heard anybody say anointing I, I never, I was never like, you know, at McDonald's and somebody just in conversation brought up the word anointing. Like I, I, I had no idea, but you go to church and anointing just seems to be a common phrase, a common word that people say so often. And it's just like, everybody knows what this is except me. Anointing is to smear or rub or maybe even pour with oil. And it's typically, um, 
as a part of a religious ceremony. Anointing in scripture is either material or spiritual. So material is the anointing of a thing or the body or a head with oil. And so you'll read about this where um, there was anointing where they would either take oil and and maybe dab it or pour it a little bit on the head or um, they would rub it. When you actually kind of study the words that are used for it, it's very much like um, taking like Bengay which I'm becoming more and more familiar with. (laughs) And so if you know anything about that, like you take it and you rub it into your hands and you get it into your hands and then you rub it until it gets down into the muscle where you're trying to get it into. And so the anointing is like that. It is is, uh, the oil or representing the Holy Spirit being rubbed and getting into a person as it's rubbed on the person. So if you think about it this way, it's God taking the Holy Spirit and rubbing the Holy Spirit into a person, into a head, into a body. Sometimes even um, we read about it into an object. But anointing, uh, spiritual anointing is by the Holy Spirit. So sometimes we read like in the book of James where God will, uh, will reference oil being used, but the anointing is really the Holy Spirit coming upon and, and being rubbed into or being poured upon um, on you. And so there's a lot of different religious ways that people will say that. You say, the hand of God is on him. You know, he or she, she is anointed. Um, and we read about that a lot. There's a lot of study that you can do on anointing. If you just look through uh, the New Testament, especially with the word anointing and see all it says, that you'll get a, gain a lot, of, a lot of understanding about that. But here, five of these women were foolish because they took no oil with them, representative of the Holy Spirit anointing. These five foolish women, they didn't have the anointing that was required. Now, it says that they were foolish not because they, they lacked intelligence, but because when the oil was needed, they didn't have it. Another way that we might say this is they were unprepared. These, these five women were called foolish. They were called stupid. They were called absurd. They were called morons, not because they lacked intelligence, but because they were unprepared. Man, that's strong. That's strong language. This isn't the only time that Jesus especially says something like this about being unprepared. Here, they were foolish because they were unprepared. They had nothing stored up to continue to allow their lamp to burn after that initial oil was put out. So today, these would be people that maybe they hear the word, but they don't understand it, and Satan comes and he snatches it away from them. So they hear the word, they get some oil, they have the Holy Spirit, they have some anointing on them, and, and they don't understand what it is that they that, that, that read or they heard, and so Satan comes and he takes it from them and their, their lamp goes out. This is some people that they love God, but when the pressure comes, and y'all know what I mean by the pressure. I'm not talking about, am I going to be late to church? I'm talking about, is my marriage going to survive? I'm talking about, are my kids going to go crazy? I'm talking about, am I going to, am I going to go back to drugs? I'm talking, about, I'm talking about pressure. I'm talking about, am I going to be able to pay the bills? I'm, I'm talking about, am I going to be able to lead my family? When the pressure comes, they fall away. It's people who love God, they have the anointing because they, they've given their lives to God and the Holy Spirit has come upon them, but when the pressure comes, they don't have enough oil, they don't have enough spirit, they don't have enough anointing to continue and they, they allow themselves to fall away. These are other people that they love God, but they're, they're overtaken by the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches. 
that when these things come upon them, they allow that to dim and even squash their lamps and their light. It's also people that they love God, but when there's a delay in what they have prepared to happen, (laughs) they fall asleep, sometimes even give up. Spiritually, these are people that are living paycheck to paycheck. They're living Sunday to Sunday. Listen, God will give you grace for that. If you're new to the faith, if you're new to church, if you're coming back to him, listen, listen, God will give you grace for that. But God never expects or desires for you to stay in that position. He wants you to be able to fill up and continually refill yourself with the spirit of God and the anointing of God to be able to go out and withstand anything that comes your way and be more than conquerors and see that no weapon formed against you will prosper and allow your lamp to always shine bright because of the anointing and because of the Holy Spirit, not because of you. Here, these five, these five women were foolish because of that, but the five that were wise, they were wise because they were prepared, not because they were more intelligent. We have no idea if they were more intelligent, but they were more prepared. They had prepared. They made sure that the source of their light would not grow dim, that it would not empty out. And In our lives, this is done simply by staying connected to Christ and staying sensitive to the Holy Spirit in every moment. More specifically or practically, this can be done by hearing the word, reading the word, um, understanding the word, and doing the word. So, So if you're not engaging with the scripture other than Sundays and Wednesdays in faith groups, because I know every one of you go to faith groups, if you're not engaging with the word more than those times, then what you're doing is you're, 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 you're putting yourself in a position where your lamp can grow dim. Where the oil, may not, you may not have enough oil to face everything that you're going to face. But it's not just about hearing the word and reading the word and doing the word. You also need to learn to hear God's voice. Because there are things that the word doesn't tell you that God wants you to know. The, the word doesn't tell you how to drive home after church. But God may need to give you specific directions of which way to go to go home from church today. And you need to learn how to be able to hear God's voice. I'm telling you, so much, if not nearly all, of the counseling that I do, and I think that we do, we could really sit in there and listen to everything that you have to say and sum it up with, find out what God says and do that. Like, like, like genuinely, that's it. Find out what God says and do that. Some of you be like, well, God doesn't say anything about this area of my life, this specific thing. God doesn't speak directly to that. He may not speak directly to that in the word, but he will speak absolutely to you directly about that. And if you can learn to hear his voice, then do you realize that you have at your disposal the one who knows the end from the beginning and everything in between? Like, you have the one who knows everything in your ear, in your heart, available to you to give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. There's nothing that you can't know, especially as it applies to your life. More specifically, we, can, we also need to 
acknowledge God in every moment and allow him to direct our every moment. So this comes, this is a progression of hearing the word, reading the word, doing the word, obeying the word, learning to hear his voice so that you can not only do his commandments, but you can obey the voice of the Lord. But then as you learn to hear it, you can hear it, but you, then you have a choice to make. Are you going to obey it or not? So it's not good enough to just hear God's word and know, man, I know God's called me to this. I know God wants me to do this. I know God told me to do this. And you know that he's already told you to do it. And you haven't done it. Well, congratulations, you're going to look and sound real spiritual to the spiritual folks, but that's going to be the extent of the blessing that comes on you. If anything, it's worse to know what God wants you to do and not do it than not know what God wants you to do and be living by faith. But here, it's not just hearing the voice, but it's acknowledging God in every moment and allowing him to direct your every moment. When you do that, you continually refill the spirit. You continually refill that anointing, the oil that's in your lamp that God wants you to shine brightly to everybody that you come in contact with. Now, <clears throat> the five were wise, the five were foolish. They, they took, for when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them, but the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. And as the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and slept. Now, let me explain a little bit about this, this um, situation, this ceremony that's happening here. Now, the, the bride would choose these 10 women to essentially be her bridesmaids. These women would be in charge of beautifying the bride Maybe even encouraging the bride in a situation like this where the groom is delayed in coming, meaning they thought the groom would be here by this time and he's not there at that time. And so ladies, you can imagine, um, it, you're, you're about to get married and the groom isn't on time. Like you, you, you probably, this is different. I'm, I'm, I'm fast forwarding culturally to today. Today, you would probably know your man and know like, okay, this is no big deal. The guy's late for everything. Or like, uh-oh, because he's never late for anything. Most of us are like one extreme or the other, right? And so, so, so if he's late and he's never late or he's more late than normal, there's a point where, ladies, you're going to need some encouraging, right? <laughs> like like <laughs> if this fool don't show up, you're still amazing kind of thing, right? <laughs> right? right? Like, like there's something that you're going to need in that moment. These bridesmaids Part of what they were supposed to do was encourage the bride in a situation like this, beautify the bride. But their main objective was when the bride got close to, or when the groom got close to the bride's home, um, the bridesmaids would go out with their lamps because it'd often be at night, and they would provide the light and they would guide the groom and his tin into the house to the bride. This is a very formal ceremony. This was a very important ceremony. So the bridesmaids, they were more than just making sure the bride looked beautiful and encouraged, but they actually had a responsibility to help usher the groom to the bride. And without that, you know, the, the groom and the groomsmen, like they wouldn't have known the way. They might not have been able to, to see or be familiar with the territory. And so this was very important um, that these bridesmaids had their lamps, were ready with their lamps, and had enough oil to shine this light because especially if the bridegroom was delayed. So here the groom is delayed and then all of the bridesmaids became drowsy and slept. 
What's interesting this about me is I feel like, and maybe this is just me, maybe this is not you. Well, it's me and most of you. It's me and those of you that I've talked to. I don't know about the rest of you guys. But it feels like, like, it feels like God is always delayed. I got it. I know, I know. God is never late. He's, he doesn't come when you want him to, but he's always on time. I didn't grow up in church. I mess all those kind of things up. But y'all, y'all got those, right? Like, I got that. I got that. God's never delayed. He's never late. I understand that. But it feels like God is often delayed. I don't know if y'all can relate to that. Like, God... You said that you would bless me financially, and I believe that you will, and I'm doing everything I I think I know to do, but God, it sure feels like you're slow. It sure feels like you're delayed. God, I love you. You know, I I, want to get married. I want to have kids. I I, I, I think that these are holy and genuine desires of mine, and God, it sure feels like you're delayed. Like, God, where, where, where are you, God? God, I know that you want me healed, and I know that you want me whole, and, and I believe that, that by your stripes you've, you've healed me, and, 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 I, and I know it, but, but God, it, it just feels like you're delayed. <laughs> I don't know about you, but it just, it feels like God is often delayed. And I've seen way too many believers get tired and fall asleep, especially when they feel like God is delayed. You know, for me in my house, um, we we do family movie night every week, and so uh, we—I don't even remember what we watched this past week. It was an old one. My wife usually picks the movies, and so um, it was an old movie. And this movie came on, and it—it <laughs> it wasn't like old, like good old. It wasn't like 1930s, 40s, 50s. It wasn't like black and white, like classic good old. It was like late 70s, early 80s, old and just bad. You you know the difference? You know what I'm talking about? And so like the very first scene was just absolutely ridiculous. Like it was, it was, it was horrible. It was horrible. And so I started laughing. I'm always like, don't ruin this for the kids. And I was like, okay. And so I, I'm laying there and, and I don't even think I saw three more scenes. And then I'm, I'm asleep. I'm sure I was snoring. I don't know. I mean, I was out. The movie's over, and the kids wake me up because then I got to take them to bed. And, um, and they wake me up, and, and one of the kids, the oldest kid, I think, said, uh, no, the, the middle child, he goes, he goes, Dad, uh, what would you think of the movie? And the oldest one goes, he didn't see the movie? And then the middle one, go, he responded like, yeah, Dad never watches the movies with us. But when I'm laying there, and I'm getting tired, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know, it's something about being a certain age, I guess, or maybe it's just me, I don't, I don't know. But I'm laying there, and I'm getting tired, and I can feel myself about to go to sleep. And if I don't do anything different, I don't have to choose to go to sleep. I don't have to try to go to sleep. Once I get tired, if I don't do anything different, I'm going to sleep. That's just what's going to happen. And, and, and I feel like so many Christians, they start to realize that they're getting tired and they don't do anything different. And they allow themselves to fall asleep. It's these people who you see and they're like sold out. They love Jesus. And then sometime later, they're like, dude, do you, are you the same person? They got tired and they allowed themselves to fall asleep. Notice that all of these women fell asleep. It wasn't just the foolish. It was all of them. 
They got tired and then they fell asleep. Now, we don't have time for this, but God speaks often and directly to this, especially for us as believers. He clearly tells us to rest. He consistently tells us to rest. He's even created our bodies to rest. And if you choose not to rest, there will be a point where your body will choose to rest for you. You're either going to choose to rest or you're going to be forced to rest. It's up to you. And, I, and, I, and we lose sight of that. And, and I talk, I've talked about this a lot, but like we glorify the hustle and the work and the, all this and I don't sleep and I do it. And like, like, what are we doing? It's like nobody would glorify, hey, I'm a liar. I lie all the time. I steal. I cheat. I, I do, I, I, man, and I, and I do it all, and I do it well. I mean, every week I lie and I cheat and I steal. But what do we do? Oh, man, you're on your grind. You work so hard. I haven't had a day off in 42 months. And that's some kind of badge of honor? You either going to choose to rest or you're going to be forced to rest. But in Galatians chapter 6, Paul tells us to not grow weary in well-doing. For in due season, we will reap if we do not give up. So, so actually, what we should be doing is working from a place of rest, not working to avoid the place of rest, and continuing to do what God wants us to do. And when you see yourself and feel yourself and sense yourself getting drowsy, getting tired, you have to do something different because otherwise you are going to fall asleep, and that could be dangerous for your, for not just for your life, but for your eternity. I've seen so many people, they get saved, they love God, they start serving in a church, maybe even they start leading a faith group, and they stop actually coming to church, they stop actually listening to the word, they stop actually worshiping because they're always serving, and they, they get away from doing it at home, and then they become tired and drowsy, but they just keep pushing forward, and then all of a sudden, you don't see them anymore. God's plan is always for us to pour out and to be refilled. God's plan has always been for our lamps to continue to shine, for us to have enough oil because we stay connected to the source, not because we work seven days a week. I am nowhere near my notes. I think I'm on verse six. But at midnight, oh, let me say this real quick. When they actually, when they're drowsy and they get tired, this isn't actually a sin. It's not a sin to be tired, especially in their duties. They're going to get tired. But the moment that they fell asleep, they were not doing what they were supposed to be doing. Because they were supposed to be watching out for the groom. Sin is simply missing the mark. Not doing what you're supposed to do or doing what you're not supposed to do. That, that simply, that's what it is. So now all of a sudden, when they fall asleep, they are not doing what they're supposed to do. In verse 6, it says, but at midnight. You know God expects us? To be ready even at midnight? You know, God expects us to be ready even, even when we're tired, even if we're waking up out of sleep because they were asleep. The other thing that jumps out at me at this is at midnight they were already asleep. Me and Chris were talking about this back there. Like, like man, I just hit an age where, like, I'm asleep at midnight. It don't matter what's going on. It don't matter where I'm at. 
It doesn't matter the conditions, the temperature, the accommodations. At midnight, I'm asleep. I'm asleep before midnight. Like, there is something happens in my body that just shuts down. At 11 o'clock, I am asleep. So I don't know if these virgins were old <laughs> or, or, or what, but I, I can relate to this. At midnight, they were already asleep. There was a cry. Here is the bridegroom. Come out to meet him. I love this because God meets you where you are. But he also expects us at some point to come out and meet him. He expects us to leave our prayer closet and go do what he tells us to do. He expects us to not forsake the assembling of ourselves together, which simply means when the Christians, when the believers gather together, he expects us to be there because he does something. There's power that's available in unity of people coming together. But here they slept, and at midnight there was a cry that the groom was here, and there was a cry to come out to meet him. I believe that there are things that God wants us to do, but only the people who are ready will be able to do them. That we have to uh, prepare to allow our lamps to burn past the time that we thought we would need them. We have to spiritually be willing to go the extra mile, if you will, in our preparation, in our time with God, in our devotion, so that we can be ready for the extra mile when we get out and be the hands and feet of Jesus. There are things that God wants us to do, but only the financially prepared will be able to do them. There are things that God wants us to do, but only the spiritually prepared will be able to do them. There are things that God wants us to do, but only the physically prepared will be able to do them. See, spoiler alert, we're about to read here that at midnight, the the groom shows up and they say, come out to meet him. But the five that were foolish, they weren't ready and they weren't able to do what they were supposed to do because they weren't ready to do what they were supposed to do. If God told you to leave everything you have here and go to a land that he would show you, could you afford to do that? Like, have you prepared financially to be able to obey God no matter what? the salary is of what he's called you to do? If God told you to begin spiritually pouring into another person right now, begin discipling someone right now, would you have anything to pour out? If God told you to physically help a widow, help build a house, or I don't know, run a half marathon to raise money for kids to have water all across the world, would you physically be able to do that? I think there's some things that God wants believers to do and he's looking around and he can only use the, the wise. And there's some of us that are like, God, send me, send me, send me. And we go waste all our money on things that nobody cares about, including you. And we're like, God, send me, send me, send me. And all of our prayers are about me, myself, and I. And God's like, if you'd ever get past that, I could show you what I, where I want to send you and what I want you to do. There's some of us that's like, God, I love you so much. I want to do whatever it is that you want me to do. But we have not allowed ourselves physically to be ready for the task of doing what he wants us to do. Because if you, if you, if you fully and completely obey God and what he wants you to do in your life, it is going to be taxing. It is going to cost you. It is going to require sacrifice. It is going to require preparation. 
And make no mistake about it, it is not just going to be a walk of faith spiritually. It's going to be a walk of faith financially. It's going to be a walk of faith physically. It's going to be a walk of faith mentally and emotionally. Satan's not just going to let you obey God. He's going to do everything he can and attack whatever areas he can to stop you and to keep you from being ready for when the groom comes and it's time for you to shine your light. In verse 7, then all those virgins rose and trimmed their lamps. I don't have time for this now, but this is really good. And the foolish said to the wise, give us some of your oil for our lamps are going out. A lamp without oil is useless. Just like a life without the Holy Spirit is useless. And there are some things in our lives that will put our lamps out that this parable is showing us. First thing is laziness. Laziness will put your lamp out. See, these women who were unprepared, they were lazy. It may sound harsh. Maybe, Pastor, maybe they didn't have the money to have the oil. I got that. But still, if you prepare enough, you figure out a way to have enough oil to be prepared for that moment. God's not going to bring you to a party and leave you without. He's not going to give you an assignment and not give you the ability to get everything that you need to fulfill that assignment. But if you're lazy with the assignment, then you'll show up maybe with just enough. Discouragement puts our lamps out. Not willing to wait till midnight. And the thing about discouragement that always gets me is this is based on your expectations. So many people allow themselves to get tired and fall asleep and even walk away from God and allow their lamp to be burned out because of their expectations of what God should do and when God should do it and how God should do it. It's really not a reflection on what God is able to do or what he's willing to do. It's based on your expectations. And most of the time, our expectations are based on weak or even false theology. So you don't even fully understand what God is doing or how he operates and you're getting mad at him and you're walking away and it, it's like you, 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 you are discouraged because you don't understand. Do you think that God just controls everything here on the earth? Like, like, like God just, we're all Muppets, puppets, not Muppets, puppets. Not Muppets, right, Minister Mario? Not the Muppets, even though I like the Muppets. I don't know if I'm supposed to like the Muppets. I don't know. Okay, Muppets are cool. The puppets, we're not puppets. God gives us free will. They're, they're, God operates within his own system that he's laid out. And if you'll go read the scripture, then I, I promise you, if you will study it out, then much of your discouragement, you will realize, is just a lack of knowledge, a lack of understanding. Another thing that puts out our lamp is arrogance, thinking that you don't need the oil. Or whenever you need it, you can just get somebody else's. Like, hey, you got oil, give me some of yours. Or, I don't need any oil, I got this. I can figure this out on my own. The last thing is sin, that falling asleep, not doing what you were supposed to be doing will put your lamp out. We'll make it grow dim, and then it will put it out. i got to really hurry. Verse 9, it says, But the wise answered, saying, Since there will not be enough for us and for you, go rather to the dealers and buy for yourselves. Your oil can light someone else's lamp for a little while, 
But your oil cannot light someone else's lamp for long enough. At some point, they have to have their own oil. At some point, it is better for you, and especially us parents. I'm not saying early on, but there is a point where it's better for you parents to stop giving your kids your oil and teach them how to get their own oil. Verse 10, and while they were going to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was shut. Afterward, the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered, truly, I say to you, I do not know you. Watch, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. The foolish missed out on their opportunity because they weren't ready. They were ready before he came. They were likely ready at some point after they came, even though it would have been very difficult to buy oil at midnight, and oil was expensive. Maybe they wouldn't have been ready after, but the door was already shut. The door was already shut like the door was shut when Noah shut the door and all those people that didn't make it in. The door was shut. When the door was shut, it was final. It was like there'll be a moment where where the, the door of your life will be shut. And at that point, you can try to get in all you want. But see, the groom, the groom never saw these foolish virgins. He never saw these foolish bridesmaids. So he didn't even know to let them in. He didn't even know they were connected to the bride because he never saw them. Because when he got there, they had to leave and go do what they should have already done. Because they were unprepared, he never even saw them. So he wouldn't have even known to let them in. When the door of our life shuts, we can beg, we can plead. For God to reopen that door and give us another chance and give us more oil and let, us, let our light shine. But once that door shuts, it's shut. And you don't know when that door is going to shut. So he wants us to always be ready in every moment. He wants us to guard our man and not allow our man to run off while we're standing there. But if you ever find yourself standing there where you were ready and now all of a sudden something happened and your man is not there, then please, please be like Otto Porter Jr. and run as fast as you can right back to where you're supposed to be because you don't know when that door is going to shut and you may just be able to get right back to where you need to be, which you will be able to get right back to where you need to be if you will confess and repent and turn your heart back to God. Then in that moment, you don't have to run all the way to find your man. You could just, as you're on your way, he comes to you, he receives you, he forgives you, he restores you, and he makes you right. Well, if you enjoyed today's podcast, there's a couple things I'd love for you to do. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. You can also invest in helping us empower others to follow Jesus by texting any dollar amount to 512-520-0185. Thanks again for joining us today on the Faith for Life podcast.